Hi, I'm Amy Blackthorne, and this is Blackthorne Grove. Hi, I'm Amy Blackthorne, and this is the Blackthorne Grove, a podcast where witchcraft meets with good friends over tea to talk about the nature of magic and community. Today I'll be chatting about ritual etiquette and how we can get back into the swing of being around other humans. <laughs> I just want to let you know, for those of you who are new to the podcast, my name is Amy Blackthorne. And I'm the author of several books on witchcraft, Blackthorn's Botanical Magic, Sacred Smoke, Blackthorn's Botanical Brews, and coming very soon, I'll have more details on Blackthorn's Protection Magic. But until then, let's just chat, shall we? So, I am really excited to get into the idea of ritual etiquette because it's something that doesn't sell a lot of really amazing classes because people are scared that they might be judged for attending a class that talks about how to be a decent human. It's a great idea. It's a great discussion topic for a podcast because everyone needs to know these things, but it can be hard to find it written down in a book. It all just comes down to, don't be a jerk. But the fine points of it can get lost in translation. So a brief definition of etiquette is the things that are agreed upon by a larger group of people that help us see and be seen as reasonable humans without making social faux pas or saying things that might be hurtful to others that are unintentional. So why is it important? Why is it important in the pagan community? Now that we're getting vaccinated and people are eager to go outside and meet with friends and meet new friends, go out to festivals and see things that they haven't seen in quite a while and try and get some vitamin D from the sun People are coming out and being a part of the larger pagan community. They're trying to grow their their own personal connections and really dig down deep and figure out who they are as people. And that can be really scary. There can be solitaries interested in joining covens. There are people who are deciding to start their own groups from scratch. And that can be really scary. But by agreeing as a group, agreeing as a community or a society to behave in certain ways, it can be really safe and enriching experience and makes sure that everyone is feeling included. Okay? Especially if you are, say, a covener who hasn't attended outside rituals before. These are all things, these are all usually pretty basic things that we have agreed upon in a general wider sense of ways to be have, ways to behave, and to be seen as caring, understanding humans. The first, most basic rule is always act in a way that will reflect upon who you are. You might be someone's only example of a witch. So remember our manners, even when we're among uh, mundane people. I don't use that the other M word. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure some of you can reason out why. 
The next thing is, especially in a pagan setting, you're trying to make a good impression on the people around you, right? You want to make friends, you want to make business connections, you want those people to see you as the ripe, amazing, strong, incredible person that you are. So err on the formal side. If need be, you can relax from there. But starting out informally can feel presumptive or uh, insulting in some cases. So start out on the formal side and, and take the, your cues from the, the people around you. <sighs> it just feels more relaxing to know step by step how we can engage and have people understand who we are. Okay? There's no need to be wittier than thou. There's no need to wear every piece of jewelry you own to, to be seen as, as witchy enough. You are enough just the way you are. I promise. It's okay to be normal. It's okay to be uh, conservative. It's okay to be a free spirit. It doesn't mean that we don't have manners. Oh, joining me in the podcast studio today are Millie and Lilu because there's a thunderstorm brewing over top of us. So if you hear some shuffling around, we've got some four-legged friends in the studio today, just for some comfort. They don't like loud noises. So, unless it's pertinent to the discussion of lineage, no one likes a name dropper. Um, lineage discussions are usually reserved for more formal settings. So don't feel badly if you don't know what or who someone is trying desperately to be known as. Uh, we all have our wants and needs and desires. So if someone really wants to be seen and heard and understood, they may be trying a little hard and that's okay. Just we can all put each other at ease. Okay. What works in polite society usually works in a pagan one. You can just default to your understanding of politeness and decorum. In that being said, reputation is important. In heathen circles, it's even more so sometimes. So understanding and putting that best foot forward can be really important, especially if you don't know the people with whom you're circling just yet. If you know the people involved, you can sort of lower your guard a little bit. But try not to be disrespectful, otherwise you may not be invited back. So general information some rules are universal to public and private settings. And some, you know, whether it's an open circle on the beach or a private ritual in someone's home, there might be slightly different ethical rules to follow. And that's okay. Ethics and etiquette are living things. They can help us choose our behaviors to our gods, to each other, in ways that can be respectful. Tools. Always ask. Always de just decide right now 
defer to the point of asking for consent before touching things that don't belong to you. Even if it doesn't look like a tool, ask books, jewelry, rocks, anything that doesn't belong to you, it's probably a good chance it could be a magical item. It could have a very specific use or energy. Consent is my favorite thing. Just ask. Safety issues. This is my big, big flaming neon sign favorite thing to talk about because it's so neglected as a topic. There are safety issues within the pagan community, within the greater, larger uh, community. It is so important. There is no such thing as the right of carnal access. No one has permission to touch you, to hug you without your permission, to uh, do anything with you or to you that you do not consent to. Zero. I don't care what some person has decided to call himself the Grand High Pooba of Turtleville doesn't allow him to do anything. If you're uncomfortable, don't participate. If you don't want to see, don't attend. If you're there, feel free. If you're not comfortable, if something makes you, if something is upsetting, feel free to ask someone to cut a door and you'll be allowed to leave. Things can be scary at first. I will be the first one to tell you. When you're going to a new place or you're talking to some new people, that can, there can be some nerves involved. But don't feel like that you ever have a way that you aren't safe, that you can't, that your consent won't be honored. Just let someone know that you're not comfortable. You can cut a door and leave. Criminal behavior is still criminal. Just because a circle goes up doesn't make it right. If you see something that is illegal, and it would be in a mundane setting, it's still in a magical setting, especially if children or vulnerable adults are in harm's way. One of my sticking points, and I, I talk about this a lot in Blackthorn's Botanical Brews, it doesn't matter, period, end. If someone refuses alcohol, let it be. There is no reason for them to have to explain to you why they choose not to drink anything that you've offered. Don't, don't push people. That's not okay. It's none of our business why someone chooses to refrain from imbibing. It doesn't matter if it's water. It's none of our business. That being said, with a ritual libation, if you're at a private ritual, make sure you let people know what is in that chalice. It could be herbal tea. It does not matter. Keep a list of ingredients on hand if it's something like a mixture. I have an herbal tea called mead available when I have rituals that have an alcoholic component. I make sure that a 
sober beverage is also provided. The herbal tea just has lemon and honey in it, but it tastes like mead without the alcohol. So keeping the people inside your circle safe is just as much your job as it is the person who's attending to be right and respectful. Don't show up to a ritual intoxicated or under the influence. You can be ejected and possibly arrested, especially if it's in a public venue like a public park. Never bring anything illegal with you. Just don't do it. There are members of law enforcement in the pagan community. There are people whose job depends on the reporting of certain behaviors. So if you're going to a new space, if you're going to talk and make new friends, make sure that everybody's on the same wavelength. Okay? Ask before bringing alcohol. Don't just assume. Don't sneak it in. Just lets everybody be on the same page. That especially goes for things like public parks. A lot of states and public access parks have rules against bringing intoxicants like alcohol. And if you bring it, the entire group may be asked to leave. It's not a good idea if prescription drugs are used. Uh, just be use your your best sensible hat when you're when you're talking about that. Mood stabilizers and personality regulators, completely not what we're talking about. Just make sure that everybody is as safe as they can be. If you take psychoactive drugs, talk about your leaders. Talk about it with the leaders of the ritual beforehand. There could be uh, parts of the ritual that could be ill-effective with certain medications. So make sure if you have any questions, talk to the leaders of the ritual. That's their job. They come into public service knowing that people will have questions, people may have anxieties about attending, and that's okay. Those things are the, the very least of their job, just to make sure that everyone is on the same page. Respect the recovery of others. Don't drink in front of them. Don't uh, wave it in their face. Recovery is a hard enough road. Don't Let's not be disrespectful. I hope that I don't need to say this. I hope that this is something that it goes beyond the shadow of a doubt. But spiking the punch is right out. It's not funny. People can get hurt. I also hope that I don't have to tell people hygiene is important, but it can be difficult. Um, it can be ableist to assume that everyone has the ability to bathe regularly. It may be disruptive to the ritual if there is a <laughs> an unstable aroma. So... It can be distracting to ritual participants. It can be upsetting. So use your, your best judgment as best you can. Social rules. Pagan standard time is not a thing. 
<laughs> I, I have to, un- I try very hard to understand it as a ritual leader, as a, as a practitioner. Things happen. You know, little Joey couldn't find his shoes, so you couldn't get out of the house. Just try as best, as best we all can. Some people feel that it shows a lack of respect. And in some cases, the doors can be locked to late participants. So you may have just gone through all that to get little Joey a babysitter, only to find that you've arrived too late to be granted access to the ritual. Let, I'm letting you know ahead of time that those things can happen. So you're new. So what? Talk to people. Let's make new friends. If you are anxious, I am. I, I will absolutely tell you that anxiety is difficult. But one of the things that I worked out is trying to make one friend. So I don't feel quite so alone, but I don't feel thrust into the middle of things. If you can make even one friend, perhaps you can find someone who can enjoy spending time with you. And perhaps you've made a new witchy friend that's uh, in it for the long haul. Some sites have cost. Check to see if that's the case. Here in Delaware, state parks, you know, you may have, you may pay a dollar or two to gain access to the space, even though the ritual is free and open to the public. Make sure you check those things ahead of time. I'd hate for you to be scrambling in the change tray for the $2 entry fee and be late. Check to see if it's the case, if the rental space, if your park pavilion has a cost. If you can contribute financially, great. That's amazing. It's so helpful. And if you can't, that's okay too. There are so many things that we can offer to our ritual community, like helping to clean up afterwards, bringing some sodas, Try to make other arrangements to help out as much as you can. Those, that emotional labor and physical labor are both so appreciated. As someone who has been the ritual organizer, as someone who has spent decades hosting public rituals, those people are so beneficial to the fair running of a group like that. Offering to help set up and clean up is a great way to meet other people and to make new friends. Don't just grab the first respectable looking person and tell them your whole life story, all your problems, all the bad timing of your birth. You're now part of a community and you're not the most important person on the planet. It's okay, neither am I. Respect the person holding the event. If they ask you to do something, please respect that. If it If you have a problem with it, speak to them privately after the event is perfect, unless your safety, your bodily autonomy would be impacted by these things. If someone asks you to take a bowl of apples around to the participants, it's easy on a normal day. You may have had a, a really negative time. You may not be physically able to do those things. 
invisible illnesses are still invisible. It's okay to let them know. I'm not capable right now, but I would love to do something next time. We're all about respect. It's not okay to interrupt the event entertainment or to let your kids do the same. We all know, you know, we've gone to movie theaters, the baby's crying. You're a parent, if you're a parent, I'm not. I will, I'll be the first to tell you, the dogs are as close as I'm getting. <laughs> it can be disruptive for the ritual, so pay a close attention. There's a habit of parents dropping off their kids at the play area and vanishing. If it's an area that's set up for that, that's great. Fantastic. Have a great time. But if it just looks as though that's the case and you haven't checked, you may have just left your kids with who knows. <laughs> Don't bring animals unless they're legally certified guard animals, guide animals. Service animals are a legally protected companions. They, do, they have a job to perform. They've been trained. Those same legal protections are not granted to emotional support animals and do not have the same training. So they may not be allowed in whatever space is set up. Here's a tip for those of you who are newer to the community at large. Skyclad means naked. If you see an event posting with this word, be prepared. It's okay to ask if this is a skyclad event in order to make your decision on whether or not to attend. People will expect questions that, in that vein. When they set it up, there's nothing embarrassing. Some groups do, some groups don't. Don't feel that you are making an assumption one way or the other. Just get the land to land before you go. And it will help make sure that you are as comfortable as you can be. It's important to note that skyclad does not imply sex of any kind. Skyclad does not imply consent. There's never implied consent. If someone needs something, they will ask. You can say yes or no. Consent and bodily autonomy are so important. I will probably say that six more times. <laughs> it's very important to me. Now when to go home? <laughs> Everybody's been at that party where it's now two o'clock in the morning and someone is just so excited to be there that they have not gone home. I've, I've had rituals at the house where it's gotten late and it's well past time for me to be in bed and had some well-meaning soul just about invite themselves to spend the night because they're so excited to be around other witches, other pagans, other people of like mind. No in time to go home. Don't be the last person out unless you're part of the cleanup crew. 
spiritual. First and foremost, respect everyone's privacy. If they're meditating, leave them alone, unless it's an emergency. Make sure that you do your very own ritual preparation beforehand. Make sure that you're grounding, that you're centering, and that if you don't know what these words mean, there are other episodes of this podcast that can help. What it means is that you are entering the space as a person who is readily, equally, and availably part of that ritual. It means that you've done the work that you need to do to be a productive member of that ritual. It doesn't mean that you're going to wind up leading it. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> no one's just going to surprise, hand you a ritual. This is not a, a working coven. And you're not yet a member of it. Don't share energy with someone without permission. Period. Whether that means, oh, I just love hugging. I love to have hug everyone. No. Consent is the beginning and end of that statement. Is healing positive or negative magic? Oh, I just... Oh, you, you felt sort of down, so I wanted to give you all this sunshiny, warm energy that I was feeling. That's very polite. That's very, very nice of you to offer. Only with consent. Healing can be traumatic. It's not necessarily beneficial just because it sounds nice. Hexing and psychic attack are a lot more rare than people think. A lot of those pieces, a lot of those individual energies can be right out there for the taking. We are not interested in promoting any violations of someone else's energy. Food. This one's important because I, myself, along with millions of other people in this country and around the world, have food allergies. If you're asked to bring a potluck something for after the ritual, let me tell you, if, you have, if you've not attended a ritual or have not attended a group ritual with people you don't know, there's a lot of energy that's going around. There's a lot of, there can be movement, there can be um, an emotional response to that ritual. Food really helps that with that grounding afterwards. So if you've been asked to bring something, Try and make sure that it is as close to neutral as you can. I'm not saying bland food. Nobody wants bland food. What I'm saying is if you have the choice between something that's fried in a vegetable oil versus a peanut oil, go for the, go for the more neutral, something that's, that's going to have less option for causing an anaphylactic reaction. A, bringing a roasted chicken versus maybe lamb. I, <laughs> you get the idea. Ritual can be very draining, so make sure that you try and eat something. New, new members, people who are very new at interacting with ritual energies of this kind, they can get sick because of the amount of energy that's being utilized. If they have an improper grounding, if you're, if you're not grounding at all or improperly, there, people can pass out. 
Um, if you have finished with the ritual and you feel hyper and amped up like you've had five espressos and a, and a bunny, <laughs> you haven't grounded properly. You need to ground some of that excess energy. The same goes for the reverse. If you feel as though you've been run over by a truck, when your ritual is done, you haven't kept enough energy for yourself. And a, a, a nice, easy connection with the earth will help remedy that. You can bring up a little excess energy from the earth. And Millie said it, just let go some of the, that excess. Just breathe it out. That being said, a bag of Doritos and a two liter of soda that you can pick up at 7-Eleven is not necessarily on the same level as what other people might be able to provide. Keep that in mind. If it's all you have, bless you. But if there's something you could make at home even cheaper, great. My favorite thing to do is bring a pile of index cards. Even if I'm not, if, even if I'm not hosting the ritual at Brad, I bring a stack of index cards and a pen so that people can label what they've brought with them. Whether it's scalloped potatoes or uh, a really amazing dessert, let people know what's in it for those allergies that I mentioned. If you forget if you get to the ritual and you see the, the food table is set up and you think, oh, goodness, I forgot that I was supposed to do something, talk to the host. See if you can run out and purchase something before ritual starts. Or right after ritual, you can really save a lot of time and it makes it certain so that everyone knows that you're, you're really working to try and contribute. I've mentioned public rituals really quickly, but it's important to talk about the different parts of it before a public ritual. They're usually publicly listed, and that means that really anyone's invited. It's planned for those without, for anyone who really doesn't know anything about paganism. You don't have to know who Scott Cunningham is. You don't have to know which direction is north. You don't have to know anything. Just show up and everyone is welcome. It's great. It's a great way to get practice in ritual, to know what to expect, how to salute or how to, to greet people. I mean, it's, there's so many little nuances of ritual that happen that you cannot get from a book. That no matter how many books you've read until you've experienced ritual in person with other people, you won't know. And that's okay. You're not expected to know them yet. They're usually very scripted. And uh, here in Delaware, there's a, a wonderful group of folks who go so far as to have class before the ritual. The ritual is printed out. It's a great way to make sure that everyone is on the same page. And I highly recommend a similar approach. Things that happen during the ritual. There could be phrases that are repeated, like hail and welcome. Or hail and farewell. The high priest and high priestess usually explain the ritual beforehand. 
It can be a seasonal story. It can talk about, uh, which requires just watching, not actually participating a whole lot. But the, the high priest or high priestess, high priestex, will let you know what is expected of you. And if you're not comfortable, feel free to leave before the ritual starts. That's okay. Feel free, if you are a little anxious, to talk to the high priest or high priestess, high priestex. If it's okay to watch. I'm a little nervous. This is my first ritual. Can I, can I sit over here? And watch without being expected to participate. They'll either say yes or they'll say no. But at least then you know where you stand. Raising energy. Dancing, singing, chanting. All those, you know, they're very generic. They're, uh, especially for a public ritual, they're, you're not expected to know anything. Movement can be encouraged, is never required. If you would rather not participate, you can pass to the next person, whatever it is. If it's, if we're going around the circle and people are sharing their experiences, you're not required to share your experiences and yours alone. And feel free to let them know, oh, I'm, I'll just pass my turn. That's okay. The same thing if, if they're passing a, a, a chalice around or they're passing anything. Your consent, your bodily autonomy is just as important as everyone else's. The later part of that ritual can involve cakes and ale. Um, it's not usually an ale, especially the public ritual. It's the discussion portion of the event. Uh, goodness, 20 years ago, I was going to open rituals at a shop called Bellbook and Candle in Baltimore, Maryland that no longer exists. Uh, that's very sad. But um, often they had raisin bread and apple cider. Very generic. You could add the list of ingredients that were handy. They're very generic. People understood what was usually contained within them. At a public ritual, it's very common to have something neutral like juice rather than an alcoholic beverage. Always make sure if it's something that concerns you. Feel free to talk to the high priest, high priestess, high priestex about what's happening. Food and drink may be passed uh, in, a, in a traditional group. They may say things like, may you never hunger or may you never thirst. Um, some, uh, a portion can be given a set to the side for the gods. You know, God, goddess, him, her, it, them. That's all the port, that's all the responsibility of the people who are leading the ritual. You don't have to worry about it, but the, just knowing that that's what's happening. Then you see the closing of the circle. There's a lot of farewelling. <laughs> feel free to repeat. Feel free to repeat after them. Hail and farewell. Should it be called? You'll know because. The closing is the reverse of the opening. And when someone says, you know, the circle is open or whatever is closely related, then you know, oh, hey, I guess we can, you can move around. We can talk. There's usually a lot of hugging. See that as you will. Things to do. Beforehand, if you have an opinion, if you 
offer to attend a planning meeting and help out. If you know that it's going to come, feel free to reach out to the planning committee and offer your services. It's great. They love help because, goodness gracious, there's so many things that go into planning a public ritual like that. To have it once, much less to do it on a regular basis, it's unheard of. So feel free to jump in and, and offer to help out. If you weren't there, enjoy the show, but don't complain. If something doesn't feel right, don't participate. I know I've said this before. I will probably say it again. But it goes doubly if you have an issue with someone there. If there's if there's someone available, someone's at this event that you have had previous issues with, don't participate if you don't feel right. Absolutely a thousand percent. I will write you a note. <laughs> you don't have to do anything you don't want to. Know what you're going for and what it means. If the ritual is for a Sabbath, if the ritual is for welcoming the sun, if this, if it's an Esbat, those of you who are new to the podcast, Sabbaths and Esbats are two different things, even though they sound kind of similar. Esbats are moon-centered ceremonies, full moon, new moon, first quarter disseminating moon, whatever. Sabbaths are holy festivals. They're specific religious liturgy revolving around whatever tradition they are. It could be the first day of summer. It could be uh, the festival of the dead. Whatever it is, know what you're going for and why it's being held. Because that'll go one step further into making you feel more comfortable. And it'll let you know if something is going on that you're not necessarily down for. Some groups may have fasting requests, for even for an open ritual. If they do for an open ritual, A, it's very rare, and B, they'll let you know ahead of time. It's rare, but it could happen. I figured I'd mention that. Timing. Arrive on time, but plan on staying later just in case things run long. If you have a time where you have to, have to, have to be out the door by X time. Feel free to let someone know just in case that that helps or hinders their, their working for the ritual. If it's an issue, they will very, very helpfully cut you a door and make sure that you can leave whatever appropriate time. That's right, Millie. Ask if there's proper ritual attire. Define street clothes and define ritual wear, both for yourself and for the group. If if you're taking a stroll and you happen upon a group, well, that's great. I'm sure if it's at a public park and it's at a public event, they they could be there could be street clothes, there could be jeans and a t-shirt. However. If it's an open ritual in the evening, at still a public ritual, but it's held in someone's home for Samhain, Halloween for those few folks who are new, they might, they might ask that you wear ritual wear. Things like um, dresses or robes or something that befits the weight and the auspices of that particular festival. So feel free to ask ahead of time. Again, none of these things should be an issue 
for whoever is leading the ritual, whoever's in charge, whoever's on the planning committee to answer for you. Make sure that if you're participating in an open circle out in public, you make sure you let you figure out or understand what their rules are for outside tools. What does that mean? If you have been practicing a while, you have your very own athame, it's very important to you, it's very close to your heart, that's great. And that's wonderful. Use it all the time in your own rituals. However, if this is a public ritual, say at a public park, it could be against the rules of the park, could be against the rules of the state, for 50 or so witches to be running around with knives. <laughs> it sounds silly, but it could be alarming for anyone who doesn't know what's happening. Bare feet is polite. Uh, it's considered good ritual etiquette. You're not tracking in mud into someone's home. And if you're outside in the grass of a public park, it allows you to feel a little bit more comfortable, a little connected. Don't bring electronic devices into circle unless it's absolutely necessary, say, an insulin pump. We, we talk about those things being blessed. Feel free to bless it beforehand. <laughs> it's, it's covered. The gods understand. However, uh, checking your text messages mid-ritual may get you asked to leave. That thunder sounds lovely. You can't pay for ambiance like that. <laughs> Boundaries are important. I Boundaries are so important. I have a separate podcast planned to talk about boundaries. If someone violates your boundaries, it's okay to politely let them know. If they have crossed those boundaries in a significant way, I would be less polite about that. But that's me. In, on the subject of personal boundaries at Ritual, I'm going to mention, yet again, the huggers. It's a personal pet peeve of mine. Bodily autonomy and consent are right at the top of my list. So it's very common to see people hugging and, and greeting each other. And especially if you haven't seen each other in a while because of the pandemic or because of life gets in, getting in the way. You will see people hugging each other. You may run into someone you know and want to give them a hug. Great! Never assume that your physical contact is wanted or desired by another person. It's just good etiquette. There is no magical transitive pagan chain of hugs. Just because I hug Bobby and Susie and Margot does not mean because you're standing with Bobby and Susie and Marco that you also get a hug or that anyone wants to hug you and that's okay. Hugging is a grounding 
practice. It sort of mellows your energy out, helps regulate some of that, that excess excitement you have from having been in a beautiful and moving religious ritual with other people. Just make sure that everybody's on the same page. Now that all that being said, ritual isn't a spectator sport. If something is potentially upsetting, if you're, you're anxious or worried, feel free to talk about that with the planning committee beforehand. But active participation in and what active participation looks like for this ritual. It may just be standing. If you're not capable of standing, let someone know. And that's okay. Just being a respectful observer is usually all the, the participation that's required. It can take a few minutes to get everybody into, into a circle, into ritual. Take any extra minutes that people are sort of milling about. Close your eyes. Take some deep breaths and center yourself to be ready for that ritual. If it's a private ritual in someone's home, the setup of the circle may be private, especially if there's a coven attached to the group that's holding it. They may want to set up the space beforehand to make sure that it sort of moves the ritual along. If that happens, there's commonly a sword challenge at the gate or the door. It sounds much scarier than it is. Millie knows. She knows everything. <laughs> this little puppy's eyes are just the best thing. What does that look like? It may look like someone at the door of the ritual space that could be a physical door you can see, or it may be an energetic door into the circle, or both. But there may be someone at the door to ask each participant how they come into the circle. It's very common <clears throat> when this is done. It may not be common in your area, and that's fine. How someone enters the circle. The tr In traditional witchcraft, the proper response is in perfect love and perfect trust or with love or you see where I'm going it's not something that I've seen a lot in public ritual but it can happen I don't want you to wander in blindly and be alarmed never just walk out of the ritual space unless it, unless there's an emergency or extenuating circumstances. Wait for them to cut a door unless someone's on fire. <laughs> uh, breaking that circle can have energetic consequences. Uh, I won't. I'm definitely not going to name names because that would be rude. Um, but a high priestess that I know uh, once forgot to cut a door before running to get something and uh let's just say a week later she had a boil in a in a very delicate place on her backside <laughs> um so unless it's unless it's there's there's a life-threatening emergency it there there's danger try not to walk through a circle just ask someone to cut you a door 
it'll just look like someone's drawing a door and they'll open it for you. That It's very easy. It's very simple. doesn't hurt anyone. It allows you to exit gracefully and, and politely. Keep in mind that once you cross that doorway into or out of the circle, that space will feel different. That's okay. Walking into a room where a circle has already been cast, someone is guarding the doorway, it will feel different. The air can feel charged. It won't, it's not uncomfortable. It doesn't feel bad. Um, it just sort of feels like the air before a lightning storm. There's a little bit of a charge to the particles in the air, I suppose. But it'll feel different. Try to keep all of your movements clockwise. Uh, Jessel is the, is the correct term, but keeping your, that movement clockwise keeps the energy flowing in the proper direction. If there are people who are a little bit more, I will say energetically sensitive and walk, walk, attempting to walk counterclockwise can A, mess with the energy, but B, can make people nauseous. Make sure you visit the facilities before ritual. You can ask to, for someone to be to cut a door, but it, it should be for a really, really good reason before doing that. Once you're inside circle, don't eat or drink or smoke or whatever it is unless you're directed to do so. If, we're, if they're taking a smoke break for whatever reason, they'll let you know. And you don't need to bring snacks because they brought some for you. <laughs> In circle, it's common to have elementals, the elements present and invited, gods or goddesses present and invited. Treat them with respect or you may be asked to leave. If you have questions, that's okay. They're, it's very common. Either ask them before the ritual or wait till everyone is seated with their, their cookies and their juice before you, have your, you ask your question. In between those times, there's a lot of things going on that the high priest, high priestess, or high priestex, whoever's in charge of the ritual, has to keep track of. There will be time for questions a little bit later. So when everyone's seated, they're sort of hanging out, then it's time. Then you can sort of keep an eye out, keep an ear out, get your questions answered. The biggest thing to remember is just that from one circle to the next, even within the same town, it doesn't necessarily mean that multiple circles are part of the same tradition. What's right in one circle could be completely different in a different one. Feel free to let people know, ask questions, engage with the, those around you. Parents, if there's an issue and your child can't behave, it's okay to ask them to cut a door and move to where the child cannot be heard. It's okay. We love you. We appreciate you. We know that it can be difficult from one moment to the next. It doesn't mean that we don't appreciate you. One silent toy is completely acceptable. 
that being said, that toy shouldn't be ritual instruments like drums or rattles unless directed to by someone who owns them, who is part of the ritual. After ritual, it's common to hug participants. So I mentioned that earlier. If you have a pain condition, it means you'd rather not receive hugs. It's okay. Please just let others know politely. We aren't mind readers. That being said, ritual is kind of like Vegas. What happens here stays here. Consider everything that happens in Circle confidential. A lot of really personal stuff can come up during ritual. And that ritual sharing time that I mentioned with the cookies and the juice. Yeah, all that stuff is confidential. Don't run into somebody at the grocery store and say, Oh, Margo, I saw you at ritual last week. How did that so-and-so turn out? In the middle of the produce aisle? No, thank you. <laughs> Please make sure that not everyone understands that everyone is part of an out group. Don't out anybody else. The same goes for pictures. And I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll talk about that again in a moment. But social media posts, don't tag people in them without their consent. Not everybody's out to their family. Um, some people have really strict religious upbringing and very conservative families. Please don't out them. Non-ritual social etiquette. No matter how long you've been practicing, you are not the Pope. Refrain from declaring anyone who is or isn't a witch. No one likes it. It makes you look like a jerk. Please, please stop. Please don't do that. <clears throat> it's always okay to refrain from participating in events where you don't feel comfortable. Don't ask for someone's opinions unless you really want it. More witch wars are started because someone asked for another's views and didn't like the answer they got. And this goes back to it. Never take someone's photo at an event without their permission. Don't post it publicly. You know, if you're taking a photo of two friends and you accidentally got photobombed by George, the, the neighbor guy, crop him out. He did not consent to be in that picture and he definitely didn't consent to be on your Facebook wall or in your Instagram where his pastor could possibly stumble upon it or his mother, you know? Interacting with pagans in a mundane setting. Just go back to the grocery store. Never out anyone. Use their mundane name if you know it. If you don't know their mundane name, introduce them as a friend and let them announce their own name. This is a great trick for people who are bad with names. Or for, like me, people who have ADHD and were listening really hard at the time, but now that name is gone. <laughs> don't out people. Some people are sensitive to be known by X person, X name. Just don't mention that someone was at a ritual without their permission. Never ever give away names or contact phone numbers or addresses, email addresses, nothing. Not, not their Instagram handle, nothing without someone's consent. Never give away any identifying information without their consent. If they go by raven and there's 37 ravens in your in your local pagan group maybe oh the blonde-haired raven great that narrows the field down but do not oh you know jane smith she goes by raven don't do that do your research beforehand 
know the names of tools, of sabbats, of commonly invoked gods, etc. beforehand. Especially if they're common, but you don't know anything about them, feel free to look them up, who they are, what their mythos is, what they're responsible for. Honorifics are sticky. If someone is lord or lady or other so-and-so in ritual, treat it like sir or madam or doctor. However, if that's being said, some people are just sitting around the fire after a long day at a an event don't feel like you have to lord high so and so or lady so and so if you've been invited to hang out with them it's it can be hard to be on all day whether you're the high priest or high priestess or you're just an author trying to have a sandwich after a long day of personing There are some common phrases you might hear, things like merry meet, or blessed be, so mote it be, thou art God or thou art goddess, um, love is the law, uh, words like pagan versus elder. Um, feel free to, if you hear things that you're not familiar with, talk to the people who said them, especially if you have a moment where it's just the two of you, you can learn a lot from meeting someone at an event like this. If you're on a special diet, make sure that you bring some food and drink, something that you can have. Uh, it's just a, a <laughs> one of my favorite tips to make sure that you have because I'm allergic to a bunch of stuff. You know, my, my diet is particular at times. So I always make sure there's at least one thing that I can, I can have. Always label, 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 label. Like I said, index cards and, and some markers. At late, if it's got meat or dairy or gluten or any common allergen, especially. For those of you who are new to the podcast, blackthornsbotanicals.com has some great teas, ritual oils, magical candles, and more for the next bit. I know not everyone can get to the podcast right away. I'm going to put up a podcast-only coupon code code podcast, all lowercase, on blackthornsbotanicals.com for 20% off anything you find in the store. Try and help as best I can. And and apparently Lilu agrees. That's blackthornsbotanicals.com and offer code podcast, all lowercase.